You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. This makes my nipples hard. Hey there, Classic Gaming friends. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, Paul and I will be chatting about a game that uh, actually jumped pretty high on my list pretty quickly, and that would be Thimbleweed Park. Uh, and that that's a game that was done by... Uh, somebody that we might know right ah, willie's wet walrus <laughs> willie's wet <laughs> walrus this is that's how i get warmed up everybody we're just just getting my vocal cords going we, we're doing we're doing timbley park because i love this game and and anna might too we'll both we'll all, we'll all find out together in a minute if she liked it but I'm excited because we never really did an episode on this if you have like a weird vague like didn't they maybe do this a long time ago when Rick was here sort of you know sort of we we kind of we did an episode about fourth walls that kind of just turned into a thimbleweed thing but that was bloody years ago okay we've had different presidents and pandemics and just all kinds of just nonsense since that episode we're here to properly focus on thimbleweed park and Anna just played it and what'd you think of it well, uh, like uh, it was, it was a really good game. What great. I was trying to say earlier, <laughs> when I got all befuddled, I had it all memorized and I dropped it. Right? Is it's a game by Terrible Toy Box, who's a company that was made up by Ron Gilbert and Gary Gwinnick, and we must remember them from such fond memories as Monkey Island. You know, even heck, the humongous games for Ron Gilbert. Uh, a lot of the LucasArts stuff, and and there were a lot of uh, artists that you might also have recollection of in this game. So Mark Ferrari was in there. Uh, anyways, yes, it was a beautiful game, stunningly beautiful. I really, really liked it, and I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about the details uh, and sharing it with everybody who's listening, whether you played the game or not. I think uh, you know there's there's just there's so much to talk about in this game uh, that you really were really really want to hear about. So stick yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Or don't. You are free to leave at any time. I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of media out here. You can do whatever you want. But we're going to be here talking about this for the next 23 to 58 minutes. And I'll just say we're going we're gonna to approach this in, in a – this review is, is going to be a placeholder for you having played it. That, that didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. Um, what else? How, how, do you make, how do you make sense and how to make it? Um, We're going to guide you through the excitement that we found in Thimbleweed Park from our perspectives, because you can go anywhere you want to learn about the game, but this is the only place you can go to hear about what Anna and Paul thought and what our experiences were of the game. So this is what we're here to go through together. And we're going to we're going to we're going to go through each part of the game so that if you haven't played it and you're just like, dude, fuck it, I'm probably never going to play it. Just tell me about it. So if you want to vicariously experience this game without having to play it, then then this is the spot to do it. Because it is hard to, to pick, to draw a line with like spoilers and giving the audience a chance to have played the game. And how do you do a review where you're trying to block spoilers, especially with a game like this? And I think Anna and, I've, Anna and I have just concluded we're just going to, we're going to talk about the game as, as an experience. And the listeners, you guys will hopefully get to experience the game through us talking about it. And we will do. We will keep an effort just because the, the ending of this game is like a big spoiler. If you haven't played it, then you still probably know that or like have heard, you know, hear tales that, that their ending is. I don't know why is that that got all southern there. That was very <laughs> uh, reflexive and weird. But the point is, is that we'll try and keep the ending of the game and the big spoilers to like 
to the end of this episode, basically, to a part that you could just turn off and not have to hear it if you don't want to. But other than that, we're not, you know, we're not going to really like hold back and such. We're going to approach it like you've either played it or you've resigned to just learning about it through us. Oh, that's what I should have said. That was neat and tidy. Ooh, and, yeah, that's a good one. Too bad. So, yeah. You know, yeah. So come on over, y'all. Let's uh, let's talk about Thimbleweed Park together. Yes. Part one. Meeting. <laughs> The meeting, yes. <laughs> There's a weird southern note, like overtone to this episode. Now, come on over here. I'll crack open a beer and sit on my lap. We're going to talk about part one of the meeting. Um, I won't, That's I won't right. Keep Put on the that. grits. Let's. No, this is. I was, we're probably offending somebody somewhere, but we're probably making somebody else laugh somewhere else. It evens out in the end. It is a podcast. It's all right. And those two people should fight each other to death. And whoever wins <laughs> <laughs> tells us whether we could keep saying that stuff that we said back there. Okay, all right. Let's let's start at the beginning. So this game is about. Well, that's actually pretty complicated. <laughs> but but yeah, to, to, to try and to, to how would you kind of the back of the book would be like it's about a small town, um, like a Twin Peaks kind of vibe town, a weird town. Uh, I'm saying town too much because I'm panicking because um, I committed to saying something <laughs> I'm not prepared to say. But the basic idea here <laughs> is there's a murder. And, and, and I can tell you who got murdered. His name was Boris Schultz, perhaps. That might be his name. Now, granted, an AI told me that, and they're they're wrong a lot. So I don't... <laughs> Look, who got, who got murdered is surprisingly unimportant in this game. That's the first thing you got to know, is that we're here to solve a murder oh, yeah. that doesn't matter. And these two but agents... You don't know... Yeah, please. Oh, you don't know who he is at the beginning, but it's it's not like a big spoiler. But like these two agents, I'm I'm stealing it from you, but I need please. to say it. They yeah. came up, and then all of a sudden, they brought me into the game when they're they're looking at this dead body in the ground, and everything's cool, and you're like, oh yeah, typical detective mystery. And then one of them was like, the body's starting to pixelate. And I'm like, oh, is this what's happening here? Because like right at that moment, it kind of sets this like fourth wall breaking kind of a tone. Right. And there is a lot of that. Um, and I would say that if you don't like fourth wall breaking to avoid this game, but that's actually not true. If you don't like fourth wall breaking, just go to the menu options and turn that mm -hmm. shit off in this game. That's how, that's how brilliantly programmed the Zimbabwe park really is. There's literally in the options, you can turn off what they call annoying in jokes and you can just turn mm -hmm. it off and you don't have to deal with it. Um, cause they're, they're going to ridicule Sierra. There's going to be a point in the game where you pick up a piece of glass in the refrigerator and, and just Dolores is going to be right on the nose with it and just look in the camera and be like, if this was a Sierra online game, I'd be dead. And I was like, wow, guys, you know, like that kind of, <laughs> that hurt my feelings. Me, somebody who didn't work for Sierra, <laughs> <laughs> but you can just turn all that stuff off. Uh, and what you can also do in the menus is change the direction of the toilet paper. Because Ron drew mm -hmm. toilet paper the wrong way, and everybody gave him a bunch of a bunch of shit about it. So he he I shouldn't say instead of fixing it, but on top of fixing it, he also made it a menu option, so you can have the the toilet sheet the paper come from from the top, from the front of the roll, or from the back of the roll. And if you're wondering like what do I consider wrong, and what did Ron do originally that was considered wrong, would be with the toilet paper on the back of the roll, like closer to the wall. Mm -hmm. And I think it should be closer yeah. to the human falling forward. It's, it's actually quite hard to That's describe right. toilet paper. Only, it's 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 like that on the patent. But I will say I have only seen one reason ever to have your toilet paper the other way, which I would consider the wrong way around. And that's if you have a cat that you can't control that likes to roll the toilet paper down. 
is they can't right. do it as well if you flip it the other way. But I'm like, that's really your problem with like training your cat, man. That's that's not a toilet paper problem to me. I don't know. It might be because can you really control a cat? Like when you said that, I'm like, wait a minute. Though. I don't think anyone controls. It's like it's like it's like going to somebody's house and being like, where's your cat? <laughs> like I don't know where my fucking cat. Nobody who owns a cat knows where their cat is. It's not. It's maybe not if you're stuck, maybe I'm just. Maybe if you're stuck, if you have like, a, maybe if a toilet paper cat, like there's probably cats that specifically it's a thing that they do or they do it once and they discover it's fun. Anyways, this episode is definitely not about cats. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is about a game that is the cat's meow. Nice. That'll do. Huh? Yeah. Okay. That'll do as in Thanks. please, please no more though. You know, let's keep it there. <laughs> nice and... <laughs> Okay. Okay. So we finished telling them we're so bad at, at, at like the structural side of this. We, um, so there's a murder and these two agents come to town, Ray and Reyes. And a, a note I'll add mm-hmm. real quick is that Reyes, Reyes the female. So it's a little confusing because her name's Ray. Um, mm-hmm. Reyes is, is the male and he's um, of like a, a vague Spanish, I think, persuasion. Mm-hmm. And he has an really? accent. And I thought that that was such mm-hmm. a nice touch. Like, I'm not sure. I really, I really, his voice and you know what i was funny i went online um just just looking into who was doing his voice and and to see what people had said and i was surprised at how many people were like i didn't like his voice i'm like what was he supposed to sound like (laughs) like he looks he sounds exactly like his character looks it's brilliant it's beautiful there's there and i mean i i've never really put a lot of thought into and maybe i should put more into it who like what you know if if uh, games are racially diverse or whatnot, but I thought they did a beautiful job in Thimbleweed Park. Right. Okay. So that's exactly, thank you. You helped extract my own, I think, little thing I'd like to say on this, which is like they they, they abided by the rules of, of showing and not telling. And I think that a lot mm-hmm. of games and movies nowadays, especially when it comes to like diversity, they're very into like telling you, like, here's why it's diverse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, great. Thanks for now. Now I know now, you know, whereas in this, mm-hmm. it's just like, Hey, just casually has an accent as people do. And it's just, yeah, it's like show, not tell. It's like a very mm-hmm. realistic and classy way to, to include diversity. I thought, so that was, that was pretty nice. Okay. So, right. we got a dead guy. we got two agents. You start off with the ability to control both of them to switch back and forth between two. Um, the guy who gets killed, I, I, it's, not, it's not super important. I saw online somewhere that he was supposed to be possibly be Dr. Fred's brother, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, but he's like a German business guy. He gets killed. You take the two agents and, and from there you just get to start exploring the town, which is mm-hmm. a huge. Yeah. World. And then it's, it's huge. And, and right away you kind of, you get the, the finding random items on the side of the street and picking them up and putting them in your inventory and meeting random characters like these, there's these, uh, pigeon brothers. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, I guess pigeon brothers, but it's, it's not really definitely sure if they're actually brothers or sisters or both. There's kind of a little joke going, isn't there or something? I don't know. I, I mean, I thought they were definitely girls, but they are called brothers in your mm-hmm. defense. So that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's what the play on it was. And they're they're out there and they're like, the signals are strong. The signals are strong. And, it, and it's kind of a neat little theme that runs throughout the games is is the idea of signals and, and how they're coming in and how they're going out. And, and at the beginning of the game, you think these birds are just kind of nutters. But then towards the end of the game, you're kind of like, hmm, I think there might be something right. to these cuckoos. No, that's, that's such a great way to put <laughs> Well, <laughs> we downgrade that. That's such a good way to put that. Uh, <laughs> no, but you're so right because without spoiling it, we'll get there. But without actually like you know, like dead ass spoiling it, it's it's 
it, it kind of works. Like when you get to the ending, you, you, you're able to look back and see all these little things that, that work towards this kind of symphony that builds up to the ending. And you're just like, man, even the signals thing does kind of fit with the ending though. They weren't mm-hmm. fucking around with those signals. No. And then, okay. Like you go to the government house, like most of the stores are closed. This town is essentially just, it's really crappy right now. A lot of the stuff is closed, much like if you played quest for glory, when you go into any of the little towns that have been sealed off by monsters and you're like, Oh, nobody comes here anymore. It's kind of like that. And then you, you go to the sheriff's office and there's all these little machines and like all of these machines help you to solve you need to give give each one of them certain pieces of information and it's kind of cool right this whole town is essentially run on these machines right right so they take the trope of like uh, they we've seen i think we've all seen this in pop culture where there's like a town that's centric to like the one thriving business in the town right like we're a mm-hmm. we're a porridge town you know because because the old <laughs> mcconnell's there made porridge here and we all work at the porridge factory that's not in this game i don't know i, I don't know where that actually came from to be fair but but the idea of that trope of like you know it's like a town that's centric to one business and in thimbleweed park it's it's the pillow factory and mm-hmm. the pillow factory had a, a massive fire as you come to find out pretty early on and the fire ruined the factory and, and the whole town's just falling apart. Like businesses aren't sustaining. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of people left. There's only 81 people in the town until the, until the, the guy gets killed and then there's 80. Um, but yeah, anyway. Okay. So you start to explore in town. Oh, what do you think about the dust? That's a fun little, it's not a really a mini game. It's just like a, <laughs> just like a scratching and OCD itch where there's these little, little single pixels all throughout the game that are dust specs and you get to, you get to collect them for, for no reason. Oh, it was fun. I didn't get them all. I liked the concept. I also liked how the dust came to a conclusion at the end of the game that was extremely satisfying. I mean, everything about that is great. I liked collecting it. I liked the idea of it. And I liked the resolve on it. Perfect. So you get this little, you get these little mini games, switchable characters. You you get the town to explore. It's not completely opened up yet. Um, And, and you've got, I guess I'll just pause here to say, I, I, it's probably almost easily my favorite soundtrack in, in adventure games um, and my mm-hmm. favorite art. I don't think there's a more beautiful game that has ever been made. And, and that's obviously I'm, I'm very biased towards pixel art, but that being said, it's just, it's the most gorgeous game. I, I, I can just, I could just stare at this game and all of its screens and, and it's, it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Credits it does. And bloody... some of the songs get stuck in your head too. They just, oh, they stick so good too. Yeah, it's, how would you describe the music? It's like it's like private eye music. Like Yeah, kind of like Miami Vice or something. Um Maybe. I don't know Miami Vice. <laughs> Let's see. Kind of like kind of like the cool funk blues brothers kind of like yeah, getting more into that side of things. Some of it is like 80s retro, like the cool sneakers song, the one that gets played all the time by the teenager. I'm getting ahead of myself now, but that one's kind of got that little bit of like funky, almost like you'd hear at the beginning of a rap song or like an 80s hook a bit. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're talking about, what's the name? That's the song that you really like, isn't it? Yeah, the one that kept playing over and over again, and, and they were using it to torture the guy in the jail. It was great, yeah. Um, I can't think of the name of it. No no Quarter? I think it's Cool Sneakers, No Sneakers. No Quarter? Like that. 
No Quarter. That's the one. No Quarter. Okay. So yeah, it's an arcade. It would be like something you'd hear in an arcade game or something. That kind of a sound. Right. And But then otherwise, because that is like a one-off. Otherwise, the music's very, you know, it's very Twin Peaks, actually. It's I think it's it's almost mm-hmm. taken like for Twin Peaks in the sense of like this kind of jazzy, um, yeah, I say jazzy loosely, but just, yeah, just Twin Peaks. Private Eye, like kind of like sexy jazz. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, smooth jazz, or but with a bit of sexy added, and a little bit of like an element of like um, an ambiance of f- detective noir kind of. I don't know. Yeah, 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 feel. yeah. There's like a noir. That's a good word for it too. Like like the mm-hmm. kind of surf guitar with meets like horns and okay. Anyway, whatever. Like it's we're audibly explaining music you could just listen to instead. That would be just. <laughs> I feel a lot more advisable at this point, but I'll just say quickly see on the artwork. It was done by Mark Ferrari and by Octavia Navarro. Um, Octavia has, has a a mini series of games um, that are, that are so much fun and flipping phenomenal. And I I rarely play games because I'm like mid development. Um, But these are like these really short, like little excuses for me to quickly play something like new um, and they're called midnight scenes. And I just, I just want to like quickly really highly recommend them. They're, they're spooky. Um, kind of like kind of horror, I guess you could say, if I, I think, I think that's the genre they're labeled under, but they're a lot of fun. They're very creepy. The artwork is just brilliant. Um, and back to Thimbleweed Park, the artwork, and this is just, it's just insane. Like it definitely, it definitely it's, had a, a huge ins- wow. inspiration for me to make a game. Like I remember getting so done wild. playing Thimbleweed Park the first time when it first came out mm-hmm. and being like, if I, if I, if I finally make this game that I want to make, that's, that's definitely going to be, this is the direction. It was the first time I ever saw like lighting effects on traditional uh, pixel art. And just mm-hmm. like the, the use of like vacuum tubes is all throughout the city. So for everyone listening, like the pillow factory and a lot of the technology in the town is based on vacuum tubes, which I just, mm-hmm. I just think is so charming and such a neat little like personalization and quirky odd thing to characteristic to give like your town, to give it personality to where like the mailboxes and the fire hydrants and all kinds of even nonsensical things are powered by vacuum mm-hmm. tubes. And all the vacuum tubes have just a satisfying seafoam green kind of glow to them. Um, <laughs> And the glow is done with like, you know, with lighting effects, let's say on top of the regular pixel art, which I had never seen stuff like that before. I think Ben Chandler probably done it. I'd probably seen it first from Ben Chandler's works, but Ben is like, his is quite blended. Like it's almost hard to tell what, what was, uh, let's say a Photoshop lighting effect and what was done by hand. If, if not all of it by hand was Ben, I'm not really sure. I don't think so. Cause it can get, you know, really tedious making a gradient, like a transparent gradient with pixels. But that being said, the point is, is that Thimbleweed isn't trying to blend it or, or I don't want to say hide it. Cause that's not what Ben's doing either, but they're, yeah, they're, for lack of better words, they're, they're not trying to hide it. They're very much just like, here's a chunky pixelated vacuum tube. And then, and then, you know, something two or three times the resolution in, in a lighting effect. And it's just, it looks amazing. Like the upstairs inside of the mansion, like all the doors have the vacuum tubes above it and the way they glow. And uh, it's just the most gorgeous game. Like, yeah, I could just look at the screenshots forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And the 3D-ness, like when you're walking through the bushes, even at the very, very beginning of the game and it's in layers, it's, it's like, imagine in, in some of the Larry games, like for example, if you're looking at Larry three, you've kind of got it all set up in layers. It's like that, but like, obviously it's, it's in the future now and it looks amazing. It looks so 3D that you could just go in and pluck your character out of the bushes and put them in your pocket. Just, it looks so amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. You got this good parallax thing going on. So anyway, yeah, just uh, I don't know. What, what am I trying to say? Mark Ferrari is an awesome artist. Everybody knows that. So there's that. And then Octavi. Yeah, I guess the whole takeaway from this is yeah. you know what it looks like. You saw it yourselves. Uh, maybe go buy Octavi's Midnight Scene game. It's turned into a weird plug yeah, for him. Yeah, support Octavia. I think it, him, her, him, him. Yes, please do that. And uh, also, okay, so in the beginning of the game, you meet a few of your characters pretty much right in the beginning. You've got Ransom the Clown comes up. And uh, and he's one of those like characters that he's a comedian, but his comedy as a clown is to insult people. And it, and it's kind of neat because you get, you get sent into a little flashback. And it introduces you to the character and where he's at and his attitude. And then you get to walk him through his first show. So it's a little bit interactive. You're picking on people in the audience and then you're making fun of them with a real like hit home hard. And that, that sets off Ransom's storyline for the game because he got cursed, right? It didn't go very well. I really like the way they introduce characters going forward, like from here. So you got the, you start out as the two agents and then like you go to the diner um, as the agents and you, you start asking around, okay, well, first of all, at the diner is Sandy and Dave and Sandy and Dave are awesome. <laughs> and I <laughs> kind of think that there were a couple, but I'm not totally sure. What do you think? Yeah. I thought like, okay, shut up, Dave. She's always like, shut up, Dave, shut up, Dave. And I'm like, at first I was like brother and sister automatically, but now I'm like, I think yeah, they, they could have be. been, they had the dynamic of two people that would bicker because they knew each other comfortably. Like nobody was taking right. offense. It's just kind of happy go lucky and obviously not the talker in the relationship. But I think marriage makes more sense. I think that dynamic is more of a marriage dynamic a little. It's also very much a sibling dynamic though too, right? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a but few. yeah, the two of them run a diner together. Anyways, yes. That's, that's the shtick. Yes, and and Dave Dave's kind of like a Meg, basically. He gets treated like like you know like a shut up Meg sort of character, but it just it works, man. They do some very very funny jokes with him. So anyway, as one of the two agents, you ask Sandy like, who do you think could have done the murder? And she's all, it's going to be somebody. It's that no good bloody that no good clown ransom the hmm. the the clown and. And then it does like this Wayne's World style flashback, like the full doo -doo 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 with the wavy screen. I'm doing the hand thing now, the octopus kind of hand. And <laughs> and it, it cuts over to Ransom. He's got like a, um, a little cut scene and then you get control of him. Um, just a quick like side note. We should talk about the checklist later when we get out of the story centric mm -hmm. part of the episode, because because one of the mechanics mm -hmm. is that each character has a checklist uh, for, for for there's pros and cons to it. But for now, you, you look mm -hmm. at the checklist, you see the few things that you have to do, Strummer, please, and you do them, and then it it kind of effortlessly hands you back to the, whichever agent you were, mm -hmm. and he's not quite unlocked yet. Like you kind of more just get a taste of him. You don't get to just switch back to him because you played him. I just wanted to add that mm -hmm. in too. So, cause there's, I think it, 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 it says a lot and works towards the pacing of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They really open the game up gradually. Like for example, there's parts of the game you can't get to because shocker water in the way, like, cause there's like a fire hydrant and you have to solve how to close it off and get you through. And it's like the funny, ha ha ha. It's an adventure game. You can't get through the water as if, like I just run through the water, but I, anyways, what it does is it closes you off because you, you don't want to go too far and see too much because when they finally open up the full world and the full map, it's actually, there's a lot, a lot of places and a lot of, a lot of places to go. 
Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to get us stuck here. But I, now that now that you said it that specific way, see, I didn't see them playing that as a joke, and I thought it was kind of weak. I was like, you know, this game is meticulously designed. It's it, like it is. It is a phenomenal game where I think I think most things were taken into consideration. But I was like, and I was mm-hmm. studying it just like as as a little wannabe developer myself. Where I'm like, this is one of my favorite games of all time and it happens to be done by one of the greats of all time so i should probably pay mm-hmm. attention to what what i think it works and and i was i'm paying i'm looking at it from a very skeptic not me being a skeptic but from ron gilbert being skeptical i'm like ron ron's standard is why adventure games suck high like he's has the highest standards mm-hmm. of of adventure games and i'm like you know from that perspective i'm like what does he allow that other developers wouldn't, or what? What does he not allow? Is a better way to frame this than that other developers do. And when and when I got to the water, I was like, "Huh, that seems like I guess is, is certain things are just I guess adventure gamery." Because I didn't, I don't know. I, I think I should just reframe this as a question to you. Like, do you think they were playing that as an angle, or do you think that's just mm-hmm. how they block progress at that moment? Like, was I, it fourth wally? At- Yeah, at first I thought they were using it to block progress, but when you and I were having an earlier conversation about the game, and you were telling me that unrecorded because we didn't record this whole episode and we decide we didn't like it and we're no, not recording ridiculous. it all over again just before releasing it because that would be insane i know imagine so, if it was yeah, monday no. night at 9 30 <laughs> and this gets released tomorrow morning ridiculous who would do that but no the uh, when you said that to me how ridiculous it was it got me to thinking and i went back and i played some more of the game in the last week since we potentially didn't record this episode all the <laughs> And um, I realized that I think it was a joke. I totally do. It made me think of like when you're in an RPG and I know you don't play those, but imagine that there's like a bush or a hedge that's like, (laughs) imagine there's a bush or a hedge and it's like a foot tall and it's in front of you and you're, you're shuffle stepping your feet across it. And it's like, I can't go this way. Right. And it's like, that's, and it's funny. Like they make fun of that. And so there's a part of me that thinks he was totally like, they're going to be like, how do we block? the street and they're sitting around and he's like well what are all these things oh it could be a truck it could be this it could be that and then they're like let's make it something stupid let's let's totally make it fit in the game genre let's make it water yeah Ah. okay because when you said that like five minutes ago by now it stopped me in my tracks because i'm like oh no Mm -hmm. i don't i think i i think i got caught not getting a joke i hate that it makes me feel (laughs) old and in the way but i think that's what happened there i think i i think i didn't get that because they play mm-hmm. it so straight face. Like, because in do. my defense audience, yeah. a lot of the fourth wall breaking, the in jokes as they call it, is it's, it's super on the nose. The the body's becoming pixelated on the nose. Like, it's very just mm-hmm. like this. That's what makes it funny is when you just, you know, are obvious and blatant about it. And this one, they play it really straight, man. Like, it's just like the, the Pigeon Brothers are trying to fix it. And, and it's like, a, it's like a, you know, please get out of this situation. It's just a serious matter. And I'm just like, man, I can't believe I'm being blocked by water right now. But now that I'm like saying it out loud, and then like you imagine asking Ron Gilbert, like, hey, was that a joke or not? I'd be like, dude, a fucking course it was. It's water. Why wouldn't? But but at the same time, I mean, like like a fire hydrant's amount of water, like that pressure is potentially dangerous. So maybe you couldn't very obviously walk through it, even though it's water. If it was happening in your town, a fireman or an emergency response worker would put cones up and not allow you to go that way. So, like, rightfully, right. that is correct. 
But it is. It's, I think it's just kind of like a lot of this game. It's just kind of brilliant because it's like it, it mm-hmm. does. It kind of seems to work on two levels where it's like it, it is just water, but you actually really wouldn't pass through broken fire hydrant water. Like that's pretty like skin melting pressure coming out of that thing. And and yeah, like you said, of the city. So anyway, that's why that's why the game is smart. Like there's a pretty obvious edit there, people. I don't I don't know what I was saying when my internet broke up a little bit because. <laughs> Starlink is a little sensitive to, you know, small amounts of drizzle. My apologies. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, the, yeah, very good. All of that. Next. And then you think, oh, well, is this it? Like, you're still in the first chapter here, kids. Well, we yet another character. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, I just came out of a flashback. Well, they pop you into another flashback, right? Yeah. How I can't remember how you get into Dolores. Specific. It doesn't really matter. But the next one is Dolores. And she emerges as like kind of the hero, not the hero, but the, the I guess the main protagonist of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it turns out that it's not technically the detectives. The detectives are almost side characters in a game that they essentially star in. Yeah, I never thought about that either. You're right. Because they, they, they fall to the background and then they end up leaving a bit early. They come back, but, mm-hmm. they, but they, they leave later in the game for like a for like a part. And the game's the game is broken up into parts, by the way, like as opposed to days in yeah. Gabriel Knight or cases. It's part one, part two, etc. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so anyway, they, they pass you off to Dolores to Dolores, and I think that Dolores, um, I think she's Ron Gilbert. I think she's she's more or less a representation of him and his background and personality. Oh my gosh, I didn't see that. Because her father, Franklin, is like, he's like pillow factory, pillow factory, pillow factory, and she, and, you know, animatronic, this and that. And then she's like, ah. And then, like, at the beginning of the game, she wants more than anything just to tell her father that what she really wants to do is work with computers and coding. And every time you you click on the option to tell him that, she just says, <laughs> oh, I'm really excited to get to work at the factory with you. And right. it's like, Power's I out. can really feel the inner wrestle. And I think you're right. I think this this is a very inner kind of a, a deep moment. Yeah, there's it, well, it's funny too because it's played like rock and roll. Like her wanting to code is almost like it's it's almost a trope in movies. It's been done where where the mm-hmm. kid just wants to rock, man. Like I just want to play. Mm-hmm. These square parents don't get it, man. Like it's and, and it's really you know almost essentially the opposite of rock and roll as far as like coding, <laughs> being an adventure game designer, I guess as they as they call it right mm-hmm. on on the nose for. But yeah, it's it, it's. That's her dream, and and I know she, that she's like a big fan of Basic, which which Ron is the same way, and I think Ron wrote a Basic program that is used in the game. I could be wrong about that, but at one point Dolores has to get a. Uh, I don't. I don't really honestly. I know. I don't know what it is. It's not the. Com- I don't think it's Basic the compiler, but it's uh, maybe it is. I'm not sure. The point mm-hmm. is, is that there's a lot of parallels to her and to Ron Gilbert. And mm-hmm. to what you were saying with like the human aspect, yeah, there's a lot of her like playing off of her uncle Chuck is like the the like the her and her dad I think own it together. It doesn't matter, but Chuck's like the big mm-hmm. boisterous kind of bullies her dad Franklin, and Chuck's like pressuring her to take over the factory, and he even says like it's it's you know you're turning when she does defect officially, which this is a momentary skipping ahead, but when she does defect like in the next chapter or so, he's he on again hitting the nail on the, or breaking the fourth wall or in joking the shit out of it. He's like, you're walking away from $10 million, which in the year 2017 mm-hmm. would be, would be 18 million or whatever. He does the, does the math for you, which is kind of funny too. But anyway, yeah. So, then yeah, so it's right where it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, of course. I mean, that was the kind of character that was designed for me to absolutely fall in love with her and her personality. She's so like straightforward and rigid and yet like feeling and emotional and and her brain works so analytically, uh, you know, just, ah, man, they they put so much depth into that character, don't you think? Yeah. And I think we we had actually talked about in private, like not long ago, that, that, that we suspected Ron Gilbert was, was, Interested in people, maybe perhaps more than mm-hmm. things, right? So, like he seems mm-hmm. like he has a deep interest in in people and how they think in psychology, let's say. And you know, he's he seems like he fits perfectly into adventure games because he's obsessed with. Maybe that's a bit much to put on him. He's he's very interested well, in how the people nuances think. of people, yeah, yeah the, the nuances. nuances of thinking and the little the little in between interactions that make it real like nothing in the game reads formulaic it doesn't read like this is how adventure game characters are supposed to talk so this is how they're going to talk in my game it's just like it's a living breathing community of people that make up this game and each one of them has its own personality it's not like it sounds like ron gilbert made these characters in this game it's like no no these are the characters fleshed out in the game they're so freaking real (laughs) Right. And and that covers the personality side. And then on the developmental side, it's it's prevalent too. Cause I, I think our conversation had started from me coming to you and just being like, man, I think, I think, I think there's a lot of compassion required to to do to design an adventure game. Cause you have to and compassion might not be the right word, but it doesn't matter. The, the idea is like you have to constantly wear other people. Yeah. You have to constantly put yourself in mm-hmm. other people's shoes. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. it becomes infinitely tricky because you don't even know, you know, to whom shoes you have to wear. You have to wear many different pairs and imagine how many different personality traits would react to a situation to try and design for it. And I just, I think that Ron is is phenomenal at that. And I think, I mean, that's not, you know, a breakthrough or a unique comment for me to make. But what would be would be to say when I watched Ron talk about the speed running in one short eyes, um, very recent video with him. Um, which which everyone mm-hmm. should check out. It's been linked in, in our past few episodes and it will be in this one, perhaps. I don't know. I might have a, diff- a newer video of his to link, but it doesn't matter. The point is to go check out One Short Eye's video with Ron because that that's when it really struck me. He was talking about you know how he imagined people approaching a certain puzzle in Monkey Island too. And I was just like, you know, he's mm. he's quite interested in how we all think and act. And I think that's in part what makes him a great adventure game designer. And just to tie it all, I guess, back into Dolores is that, yeah, there's that that bit of like empathy and, com- and compassion that you get from her that's quite sincere. It's not like in a... Mm-hmm. Earnest almost, yeah. Right, yeah. It's like she's not trying mm-hmm. to be, I don't, for lack of a better term, like she's not trying to come across as woke and like just super like, Mm-mm. you know, just... I'm so down to earth and I just love everybody. Like she's not showing it off. There's, there's just this very authentic warmth and kindness about this fictional character. That's just like, she seems like a yearning too. She, she does. I want to hug her. She, she's yearning for the, the coding and the passion and the programming. She's yearning for her uncle to be a better man and to be more like who he was, even if he wasn't amazing, if he could be again. She's yearning for her father to accept her for who she is. She's yearning to get into the courses that she wants to get into. And she's yearning to have a career in the future and maybe even be able to benefit her own family with this education at some point in the future. And I can feel the pull of all of these different emotions that she's having. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's really well put. 
really well put. I've, I've, hopefully, I'll be able to tie back in later when we get to the ending ending because there's a few poignant moments with her mm-hmm. and her father. But for now, yeah. So that's the introduction of Dolores, right? Um, and I will say too that, that you get to go back to the mansion, which they call the Mansion Mansion. Mm-hmm. I think is is that <laughs> like if anybody mm-hmm. should get that joke, it would be me who co-hosts a podcast about old adventure games. Oh my god, I just got it just now. Oh my. <laughs> God, why? <laughs> but the, is is that that's Maniac Mansion instead of man? Is that why they say Mansion Mansion instead of that Maniac? That mu- must be, yeah. Because so. you saw like there was that one little there's an in joke where you you know later on in the game with uh, Nurse Edna. Right, right, yes, yeah. So it's got to be right, yeah. yeah. So they call it the Mansion Mansion, and, and yeah. it's you know from the outside, it's it's. I mean, it was quite a resolution difference between Maniac Mansion and and this. So Dolores is in the mansion mansion, right? The mansion mansion is in the mansion from the mansion thing. It's maniac mansion. And mansion, 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 mansion. There's all these cool, back to the vacuum tubes and just like the personality of this town. There's, there's all these like just gadgets that, that have come to life. I am, I at least imagine in part because of the weird, um, Im, I don't know, the, the impl, uh, implementations of vacuum tubes. Like the like what I'm really trying to get at is like the printer, which is just this adorably mm-hmm. awesome device where... Yes, it's vacuum tube power, but that has nothing else to do with it. But like it, it has these mechanical robot arms. So when you want to print something, <laughs> the mechanical arms just type on a typewriter that for you. It's like a. It's like it an, is so steampunk. Oh my right, god! Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it's such a good idea. Like such a great way to think of a <laughs> printer because it's it's really just a typewriter, but the mechanical arms are the part that you know is automated, I guess, and it's just brilliant. I just love it. Okay. We're back from a big old edit. Just we just wandered into nonsense land. Everything was moist and inappropriate, and we're back and we're ready to be mature about the end of this episode, which we're not even, <laughs> I think, close to. But but we maybe should consider being soon. So <laughs> we're all done with Dolores. She's she's been a treat. We're gonna head back out of the mansion. She got a job at Mucus Swim, um, which is, is Lucas Arts, and that's great. And she's gonna work that all out. And then we get kicked back outside, and there's only one more character to unlock at this point, um, and that's Franklin mm. Dolores' dead dad, who's a ghost. Mm-hmm. And he's a he's a nice, nice but very meek. He's the kind of guy who makes you think he works in an office, and is like he's even meeker almost as a ghost than he was in person. And he's kind of like holding the paper and saying, "Is this what you wanted, Mister Slater, or whatever?" Like he's very, very, very meek, and and that's a big part of his story because, as as we'll talk about in a minute about the notebook, he's. I mean, he needs to kind of figure out how to stand up for himself a little bit and and resolve his like his resolves because, okay, I'm going to bring it in now though. Okay, that is the dynamic. Like each of these characters, they have this little notebook. Yeah, I've introduced him. He's a ghost, right? That's fine. So they have a notebook, and the notebook has a yes. He's exactly that's the word. That's the one I was looking for, and and the notebook is like it checks off things as you do them. So it tells you what to do next and then you check them off after you do it. So in a way it's kind of like, it's a guide. It's kind of like, you know, it tells you what to do. And, and it's not even all that the game does to do that. It also provides you with a hint line that you can phone from any one of the in-game phones and it'll also kind of guide you UHSF hints or UHS hints style. I mean, sort of one step to the other what to do next so it really does try really hard not to leave you to be lost which on the one hand is great 
because you always know what to do next and you don't really need any walkthroughs. But on the other hand is kind of like for somebody like me, I almost prefer it not to be there as much because it's too easy to just look at it and be like, okay, this is now it's like a list of chores, things mm. I have to do instead of a list of things to discover. Right. Yeah. That's, it's really interesting to the point where I think we've both, we've both agreed to probably do an episode soon on, on, on this kind of on this entire topic, because what's mm-hmm. the reason they do it is, is quite clear. There's a lot of characters and there's a lot to do. And, and I think it has mostly to do with the, the, character swapping so it's like every time you change characters mm-hmm. they have an entirely different set of things they need to like need to accomplish rarely rarely is, is a task spread throughout hey you could do this one with any of them like that's in the beginning of the game especially when it's just the two agents where it's like you can pretty much do anything as either of the two agents doesn't matter but then it gets to oh. a point where <clears throat> angela her name's angela ray antonio reyes oh, that's why her last name is boyish her last name is Ray. I'm sorry. Right. I'm just realizing this now. It's Angela and Antonio. But right. you never once hear those during the game. Right. I mean, possibly literally okay. once, but yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And an agent, you always go by the last name. Makes sense. Okay. But yeah, anyway, so mm-hmm. the, the checklist thing makes, it makes sense because there's so many different characters and it comes to a point where Franklin, Dolores, Ransom, etc., have their own objectives and things they need to accomplish to forward mm-hmm. the plot. Um, so I could see it becoming almost like a baffling kind of document you'd have to compile on your own to, to try and keep track of this stuff. So in that sense, I don't see any other way they could have done it is what I'm trying to say. But the, to mm-hmm. your point and to the point of perhaps a further episode, we can explore this a little further. Um, is, is <clears throat> uh, Anna had texted me at some point during her playing saying that, that she found it to be um, maybe a little more puzzly, <laughs> I think is what mm-hmm. you had said. <clears throat> and I was like, damn, I agree with her and I don't know why. And I kind of don't, I don't like that. I agree with her. Like it would kind of struck a nerve for some reason in the, to the part of me that's you know childishly defensive of how much I love this game. I didn't want to hear that because I knew I agreed with it. <laughs> why does it feel more <laughs> puzzly? Cause it, as I said, as I said to you in response was like in between dialogue, that's what an adventure game is. It's there's a puzzle to solve. You're either in a dialogue or you're solving a puzzle, but really we, you know, we, we of course made it we're, and we're, we promised not to make this like a versus in a Sierra sort of episode, but we're like, well, what is the difference? Why, why would it, would we suggest that it doesn't feel as puzzly in the middle of, of like a Sierra one? And I think our, our conclusion, at least from our, our first attempt at not recording this was that when, was it, there's a lot of times in Sierra games where you don't know what to do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that maybe there's no, maybe there's a positive to that. There's obviously a huge negative mm-hmm. to it. We've all been stuck in the desert as King Graham, <laughs> but mm-hmm. maybe there's a positive to not always knowing exactly what to do because there is this, as Anna said pr- previously, there is this kind of like feeling that uh, that you have this chore list or these errands to run, and there's like it's missing mm-hmm. a little bit of mystery, a little bit of like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a, it's like a it's like a fifteen year old marriage, you know. Like the, the where's like where's the sexy like mystery behind what I'm supposed to do next? It's very just like if you do mm-hmm. this and that, you'll get laid on Wednesday, and <laughs> we all like getting laid on Wednesday. But <laughs> it's the delivery of the information <laughs> that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, th- this is mostly for us to explore in, in in probably its own episode just regarding these kind of things. But it is a good a good point and. Yeah, I don't know. What, what would you say to my argument that there's probably no other way to have done it because of how many characters there are? Like, do you think it was avoidable? Yeah. 
I think that it could have been another option. You could either turn on and off. Mm, quite simply. Yes. That's pretty good. Right. Hmm, that's interesting because there is, a, and for everyone listening too, there is a casual mode to this game where you can get it, you can play it in, in a lot less time. Um, mm-hmm. But in both modes that is on, that would almost, because they call the other mode, I think, I don't know if it's expert mode or what they call it in a slightly joking mm-hmm. tone, but they're like for, for hardcore adventure gamers, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> which is actually, which I will say is adorable from, from a LucasArts point of view. This game literally tells you in the first 20 minutes that you're not going to die and that you'll feel safe. Yeah. And, and then, and then they're like, but don't worry. It's designed so brilliantly that you'll feel like there's stakes. And boy, it even do says you. you don't have to save, like, don't bother yeah. saving. You're totally yeah. fine. Like we're going to give you that ability. <laughs> and man, that it, it, that, it actually quite bothered me when I heard it this second playthrough. I didn't mind it the first time, but, but the second playthrough, it kind of annoyed me. I'm like, okay, Jesus, like that is really on the nose. And I, I don't really appreciate being reminded of how safe I am and this and that. But I will say that the prophecy comes true because they, there is, I think what this game does the best is, is presents the feeling of stakes. Like there's things mm-hmm. um, that the choices that you have somewhat matter I don't. I. I guess. I guess what I'm saying, or or, or trying to argue, is that the, they do a really good job, and it's almost a masterclass as far as like development study on how to make the players think that what they're doing matters. Because there was a few times in this mm-hmm. where, okay, so I played this game with my son Strummer, which which I will just add. Actually, it's a great time for him to be making noise in the background because I cannot edit it and say that it's you know it's him saying hi. He sounds like a plastic bag opening. <laughs> um. <laughs> He's uh, he's eight years old, and I'm just saying this in case anybody who worked on the game is listening to this podcast. That my eight year old son played this game with me. We played it two hours a night for four or five nights or whatever. Like, don't don't do the math. <laughs> I don't know. Because um, I did do casual mode this time. By the way, I'm, I'm hardcore. I did the original mode when the Kickstarter first released, and there was no walkthroughs online. I did it myself in 26 hours, which is quite a long time, according to how long mm-hmm. to beat. I'm definitely still not good at playing adventure games, but. Point is, I played with my son in casual mode, and he's eight years old. He's YouTube generation. Everything's super fast. You know the way the way those kids are. Boy, does that sound horrible, aging wise. You know how to kill a son <laughs> these days, huh? Um, but my eight-year-old son loves this game very much. Um, like there was no there was no struggle for me to like get him involved. He was excited each night to play it again. And so yeah, they did something really really right. I mean, obviously my kids particularly has been like kind of indoctrinated towards liking adventure games. So there's a little handicap there, but still point is that he really Mm -hmm. liked it. And there was a point that preceded my kid playing it with me, which I forgot, but I think we all enjoyed the road to me forgetting. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay, let's go back to the story. Oh no, you know what? I I was, I was talking about stakes. So can you, can you think of times where the game made you feel like, I don't know. There were Quite stakes. a few because, well, it, it made you feel like you had some, uh, uh, almost like, oh my gosh, if I pick the wrong answer, am I going to be screwed? Because there's a few times where like you pick an answer and then the conversation carries forward. You can't go back and pick another answer and they're all kind of different. Like even what's your opinion? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? And you're like, it's a bad thing. They're like, hmm. And it's like, 
it really it really makes me feel like I need to pay attention to what I'm writing. And I don't even know how much of a difference any of it actually makes by the end of the game, to be honest, but it sure gosh darn makes you feel like it would. It also makes you feel like you want to play a game to see what you're missing. Cause there was quite a few times too, like if you if you look away and it just keeps regressing, right? And you've missed whatever it was the response was, and now the option to click it again is gone. Right, right, and there, yeah, exactly. And it happens with the dialogue. It happens with with Agent Reyes. He just disappears for a small chunk of the game. Um, mm-hmm. And something we haven't actually mentioned, listeners, too, is that so from the beginning of the game onwards, this maybe, as as we mentioned, is broken into parts, um, and maybe just with one per part ish. But mm-hmm. about one time per part, it it breaks into a static screen, like static TV static, um, and and it's just if you're watching the game from from a you know behind a fourth wall, I guess, and and mm-hmm. and it just adds this kind of intrigue and this this ominous kind of creepy vibe. Really, it's like this voyeuristic vibe of like somebody's watching me. Like it, it's it made me realize that they've done a great job of making me feel like I'm the characters I'm playing because I feel watched when they do that. You know, as as if I was mm-hmm. one of the characters, just being like, there's, there's there's a very minor touch of like of um violation behind it, where it's just like, hey, hey, easy, who's who's watching us here? Take it easy. It's something creepy about it. Um, <laughs> but that being said, the one of the scenes in in lit latter parts is like the static screen, and you see something happen to the agent Reyes, where he gets like he's he's knocked out on a table in in the coroner's office, and then all of a sudden you look mm-hmm. at your menu, like as soon as that that plays like the first thing I did was try to change to Ray Reyes and he wasn't there anymore. I'm like, Oh shit. So that was real. Like something happened to my boy. I can't change to him anymore. He's not even an option. Is he dead? And then just like a little mm-hmm. bit later, he just comes back and you can use him. And it, yeah. It, Cause you can't like, I was even like, how do, what do I do? Where did he go? Cause he, he had my inventory items and, and it's like, I almost wonder if it was like, ah, oh, I don't know. Miles. I don't even know. Like, was it like a glitch? You know, like, uh, you know, not not like a glitch, a, a purposeful one for us to be like, ah, uh, think back on it or something like, oh, we, we better reset that. Or I don't know, like, I, I'm, it's hard, hard for me to explain without throwing in too many spoilers right at this point. But I, I have a, I have a couple theories I can discuss later. Right. No, but there is like a mind fuck by behind it. Exactly. And and, and yeah, I'll just say too, just kind of dancing on that level without getting into spoilers would be to what we said earlier about the, the pigeon brothers and the signals. It's very much like mm-hmm. that where it's like, it, 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 it plays to the strength of the ending as, as opposed to being just like a, like I didn't, I didn't find, I didn't find things like that to be gimmicky because I think they play towards the overall plot device, you know, which, which again is, is the spoiler. So yeah. Point is, is that there's, there's a good feeling of stakes in this game. There's, there's one or two times where something genuinely unexpected happens. One of them got a jump scare out of my son, um, which is getting knocked out. I won't say where, I guess there's no need to spoil that specifically for somebody who wants to play it. But yeah, there's, there's, there's just a few moments of genuine unexpected things. So the game progresses and you're, you've got all your characters introduced and now you, the cool thing is, and it took me a while to figure it out actually. Okay. So you've got you and you've got your other characters. There's what, like five of you and you get a copy of the map and you need the map to traverse the world because it's a really big world and you need it as a shortcut and all of a sudden, so you've got the 
through the puzzle and you've got like five copies of the thing. And I'm like, why the hell do I need five copies of the map? And in my head, I'm like, it must be a puzzle. I must have to combine them or make some bigger map. Like, are they like pieces? (laughs) No, no. It turns out you need to gather your crew together and like, or take that one and hand out the map to your friends. Now you're literally having to reframe the concept of how to play the game in that you need to use all of them together in different ways, in different ways to now work together to solve the puzzle of the game together. And I thought that was just genius. Yeah, exactly. No, that was, that was, that's something that's really, really well done. It, it, it culminates, it culminates at the end too. So here, I'll tell you what, let me, let's, let's walk everybody through the plot really quick from where we're at. So we could get to the spoiler part. Cause we were, we spent the last 10 minutes restraining <laughs> from saying spoilers. We've obviously arrived yes. there basically. So let's just, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So what happens from here is that the, the agents solve the murder, which is, is, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily solved. It's, 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 purposefully unsatisfying let's say the the result yes. um but the puzzle you put together and you you enter the information into these otronic machines and mm-hmm. the, and the the person you kind of assumed they'd pinned it on gets gets it pinned on them and that's yeah. when and the arrest they, is they get ca- captured into jail yeah that's yeah it. captured and locked up um, and and this is when I, I, somewhere around here is when all the characters are interchangeable you where you you, you don't just control Dolores or, or any of them because you're in their flashback. You can change whenever you want and start allowing them to work together. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then that moves us on to the factory, which, because what's interesting about this game is that there's eight parts, but the, the majority of the game feels like it takes place in the first three parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would you know, say so. Right. And because once, once you move on to the factory, it gets, it's, it's, it starts to f- at least feel like it's wrapping up. I don't know. I, I guess that doesn't really matter. But the point is for continuity is we're now at the point where, where a murder or an, an arrest for the murder has happened and the agents leave town. They're like, word, mm-hmm. we did what we had to do. Now, granted, the agents have been saying like all this, um, I know they've been saying some some puzzling things, like dropping these little mm-hmm. these little like purposeful hints where where they'll be like, you know, I, I got to get this case off so I can get back to the whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was always this kind of like suspicious undertone going on. Like, what are what is the motive here? Like, clearly, the both of them have different motives. And if you read the notebook, they each have notes on each other, and they're not exactly positive. Like, oh my god, I got to deal with this guy, or oh my god, can't believe I got to work with this lady. So they were clearly not like best of friends either. They were they being interfered like with. Contrast. Yeah, definitely. Right. It was like each other was in the other one's way. In other words, there's ulterior motives, and we don't know them. We just know that they, there's something else going on. They, both of the agents ha- have something unresolved that they're trying to get to, and they have to get through this case first. So mm-hmm. the agents fuck off so they can finally go do that. And you can tell I've been watching a lot of Trolls videos this week. So I just said that. <laughs> and off they fuck. Um, that's, that's trademark <laughs> Space Quest historian right there. I watched, rewatched mm-hmm, all those mm-hmm. King's Quest videos this week. So anyway. It's a really good phrase. It's, it's know, hard it's so not good. to emulate. Hard not to emulate the awesomeness. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess we're just trying to get more towards the end of the story so we can do spoilers, and we're at that now. So we get to the factory, and a better point I, I think for everybody listening that hasn't played it to understand is that the murder has been solved, and the game mm-hmm. keeps going. So this is when the game mm-hmm. is ready to start unveiling what it's really about. Mm-hmm. Because it's like if you're not done the game when the murder's solved, and this whole thing wasn't about a murder, was it? 
And the game's like, no, nah, <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, all that, there's been some <laughs> weird shit going on. We know you know. You've seen it. We're doing weird things. We're kind of mind-fucking you a little bit here and there. And and so yeah. now we start to finally figure out what's what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. More than, and, and I mean, and it's great because it kind of, it doubles you up on it. You do the factory, you find out what's really going on. And then after you find out what's really going on and you fix it, you find out what's really going on. Right. right. It's, it's, it's like a Russian <laughs> nesting doll of what's going on. That's right. The Matryoshka game. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I guess should we just move into full spoilers, right? Just. This is the part where you should right. just check out. If you if you don't want to know officially, yeah. If you don't want to know like the the secrets of Monkey's Island, which is, that's not I'm not spoiling that. I don't know why I would confusingly say that, but you're listening. You yeah. guys you guys know me by now. Very confusing, man. Look, if you don't want to know what happens at the end of the show, this is where you should leave. But you know, yeah, and if you have not played it and do intend on playing it, stop listening. You probably won't forget this. This is like sometimes you're like, "That's okay, I've never played it. I might forget this." Nope, you won't forget this. So stop listening. But if you've never played it and never intend to play it, you should listen. It's all super interesting. In fact, I ran around my house telling everybody in my house what the ending was, and and my mom made comparisons to books from the '60s, and it was a whole thing. So. And and I, I would challenge for those sticking around who have played it or, you know, besides the ones that haven't played it and are just nihilistic and like, fuck you, I'm staying (laughs) (laughs) to which I tap my head at you, uh, sir, madam, whatever the case is, you're awesome. But, but to those who who have played it, I I would say that why should you bother listening? It's because I, I, I I have a case for why it doesn't suck. And, and I I just want to say real quick that I think that we all get a little wrapped up in like, not wrapped up, but we, we all fall trap easily to surface biases where it's like the hive mm-hmm. is like, as, as a general populace, we're not thrilled. And it's so easy to just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I wasn't thrilled. Like it's so, mm-hmm. I know I'm persuasive like that. Or it's just like, I don't really have an opinion, but everyone says it sucks. So it sucks. And, and I just, mm-hmm. I think if you really scrutinize this and really give it a chance, you could, you would see that it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite well, well written. It's quite well done. And I just, I think it's really easy to toss aside in like a, oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're just, you know, uh, it's wildly inappropriate. I can't say that. Look, doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, <laughs> the point is we have a decent argument for why it's good. Okay, Anna, since you've played it most recently and, and you've like, so I played it when it first came out. So I'd never really had like the weird bias. Uh, to the listeners very quickly, uh, let me clarify that, uh, that it's of my observation and I guess opinion, but uh, more observation that most people, even if it's 60-40, which I think it's more than, but I think most people didn't like the ending or th- mm-hmm. when I hear about the ending, it's usually in a negative light. Um, it, it's usually, it's usually seems less like the more like, so anyway, my point is, is that I played it immediately. So there was no public opinion. You, you're all, you're in the guild all the time. You've definitely not you've you've managed to escape dead spoilers but you definitely heard mm-hmm. negative things about a mm-hmm. big twist ending or whatever so i want to just let you spoil it and let you tell everybody what's up for sure well it's it's a double <laughs> spoiler because okay i'd heard all of these things and i'm like i knew the game was heavy into fourth wall and i kept being like warned about this ending not by paul who's like oh my god you're gonna love the ending but like other people and um it was like it was wild because you know you get into the this abandoned pillow factory with your crew and something's going on and it turns out it's like this ai that's been running the factory but it's like an evil ai and then you find out it's actually your uncle Dolores's uncle who is 
partnered up with the evil AI because over the years, his resolve would get weaker and weaker and his want for a pillow factory to rule the world, like Piggy in the brain style, would get stronger and stronger. So he ended up just merging with the AI through death in some way and running the factory and one day the world would be next. And it's kind of neat. Because Dolores, she has to come in and kind of shut it down. So she comes up with this plot. She figures it out. She figures a way to use like the tubes and anyways, pushes them in. It's a whole thing, kills the AI. And all that's left is the spirit of her uncle. And I'm like, well, that's that's kind of a neat ending, but it's not it's not like what everybody had been talking about. It's not like a huge, it's kind of a fourth wall break, a, a person merging with AI. But anyways, okay, you defeat him. He's all that's left. And then he reveals that like the whole game is a game to like Dolores and he's like all of you guys are just characters and he's kind of like didn't you realize like there's like 80 people in this town and 300 people in the phone book and like no school where's where's all the children like none of this makes sense obviously it's a game and that's the moment where that kind of AI um, merges with the reality merges with the fourth wall breaking and and all of it comes into play together so i was just like holy shit like that is that is such a cool concept and honestly he gets dolores to realize it in such an honest way like she's just sitting there going yeah but yeah but what about oh but what about oh 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 and and it doesn't even like it gives her resolve right like oh okay well then we we should probably finish up any loose ends because she's got to like kibosh the whole game right Right, because like, that's that's the thing. Because they're like, well, I guess we're not really real. We don't really have parents, and this is all kind of for naught. So let's get rid of this now. But you've got all these mysteries to solve first. That was so adventure gamery of you. Anna just used kibosh at me because I learned that at the beginning of our talk, and now like full circle <laughs> in adventure game fashion, it gets used in the end. It's just it's quite an arc for that word. It's brilliant. Um, Okay, so I'm, glad, I'm picking up on, on the excitement and, and the main, the, the shock, you were surprised, that's impressive at this point. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I thought it was really good. I'll just say quickly is that neither of us are, are very tainted, let's say by Monkey Island 2 or, or like, you know, mm -hmm. whether or not that was hinting towards that's what it was and this is Ron finally, like, I, I'm outside of all of that just saying, it's really, I thought it was really well done. It's not, it's, it's done in a way that they knew that that's what how it was going to be off the bat. So the whole thing is written towards it where Chuck's giving her examples of how it is a simulation. And, and the one that I thought mm -hmm. was like the point is really just really stuck with me from the first playthrough was when he's like, where's your mother Dolores? And she just like stops in silence. And so do I as a player. And I'm just like, <laughs> dude, where is her mother? She does like, you just, you know that she's uh, whether I don't know. It's like, I, I think I suspect my subconscious had already pieced it together and was accepting of it before I was, because as soon as that mm -hmm. happened, I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be a simulation. That's, that's where this is going. Cause you know, you just knew that Dolores was going to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember having a mom. I don't, you know, like the, mm -hmm. it, it's the first hole exposed, which is like, well, you know, where's like the rest of your family? Where's the school? Where's the children in town? What, you know, as you said, why is there 3000 names in the phone book and only 80, which I would have never noticed that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, they, they bring in everything that's going on, even, even the signal back to the pigeons and, and things like mm -hmm. that um, start all tying together. We are just like, wow, like everything is able to make sense now. And 
And it's just it's just quite brilliant. So then you're left with with the remaining characters, and now it's time to basically send them off, give them give them a, mm-hmm. a character arc, and then have Dolores try to shut the system down. And and I just want to take a minute back into this like wild fourth wall territory. I know even your cat lunchbox is excited, <laughs> but he actually in the game, it actually says to you, Oh, do you want to know what to do next? I bet you do. Well, if so, you better go back and watch the Kickstarter video from this game from like, what was it, 2017? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah go-, go back and watch that thing on the internet and, you know, figure out what to do next because that's where the clue is. And I'm like, oh, that got me so excited. And I went on yeah. there and, and all the comments are like, this is why we're here too. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's like, God, that is like everything that, that this is why we play, you know, this is like why we lace up mm-hmm. on Sundays, uh, listening back to the mm-hmm. episodes of the podcast you picked up on us, always praising moments when you have to write things down in real life, whether it's taking notes mm-hmm. for Laura Bow or, um, you know, I recall like having Mark Fillion on numbers. and talking about, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Phone numbers <laughs> or Mark Fillion doing Chinatown and us being just so excited <laughs> about like the, the prospect of bringing the real world into um, problem solving or puzzle solving. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And what better way to do it? It was just, I, 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 I saw it as, I saw it as just very well written for what they decided to do. And I think that a lot of the criticism is, is it's, it's almost irrationally spirited because it's like, there's a difference between doing something gimmick in a gimmick fashion, doing something poorly or somebody did something that mm-hmm. you just don't like. And it's like, Hey, if you mm-hmm. don't like the the meta aspect of it, first of all, what are you doing playing like a Ron Gilbert game? Like, honestly, with all this fourth wall breaking, I mean, this is just like, you know, like mm-hmm. a fourth wall gasm, basically. I'm surprised that that that's where everybody supposedly drew the line where they're like, Oh, that's too far. Mm-hmm. Everything else like having Guybrush Threepwood in like every modern adventure game, like as an Easter egg is fine. But like, this is the line. Like, I don't, I don't really understand why this was too far, you know, especially considering Mm -hmm. um, everything behind it. But I just, I just would add that like, I could see it not being what people would have wanted or that they liked, but I I can't see it as being, it's not poorly written and it's not poorly executed. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was really well done. Um, Again, yeah, I guess that's why I get confused is because I could see not liking it for people that don't like fourth wall breaks. That, like my brother's mm-hmm. one is very easy to imagine, like an, an enraged, like, oh my God, that fucking ending. Are you serious? But nobody who hates fourth wall breaks would get through this game. Mm-hmm. So I guess that, that yeah. <laughs> to me is the paradox behind it. And, and I'll just say to um, taking it all the way to the end is that if you're still listening and you still hate it, which is fair enough. I haven't done a great job with the argument. To be honest, 10 minutes ago, I had a lot more in me. I thought it was going to be better too. But but <laughs> if you're still listening and you still hate the ending, let me ask you, have you stayed to the end of the credits? Mm-hmm. Yes, you have. Because it actually well, ties fuck. it in together. It right. really does. It, it is To me, it is, it is a quintessential part of the ending, and, and it is like the cherry on top. It's what it's what closes it off. It, it's so Okay, mm-hmm. so at the end of the credits... Okay, sorry, let me back up. Right before the credits, what you're assuming happens, happens. Dolores, you send off each character. Um, Ransom gets an awesome end. He, he gets to go back to the circus and be less of a dick to everybody and not get cursed. Because he's oh, just yeah. like, hey, let me have and one last show. And you get to show. play through it. Right, yeah, oh, you get to play through it. I have to say. It. Please. 
when I when we when we didn't record last weekend, I actually missed all of those extra endings. I did Dolores first, and it tells you to save, which I did, right? I did her first, the game was over, and I came back on the uh, episode I, we didn't record, obviously, with Paul, and I'm like, hey, what happened to everybody's endings? And he's like, um, you see them when you finish the game? And I'm like, but I did finish the game, which is in here where, A, they do tell you to save, fair enough, but B, I feel it was a little bit, um, it was misdirected a little, like, okay, I should have clued in. There was a lot of loose ends and I should have done other stuff first. But at the same time, I kind of wish you, since they were fourth wall breaking anyways, forced you into some sort of an order. Well, you, you just hit the nail on the head. Cause I, I was going to, I was going to mm -hmm. argue like from a developmental standpoint, I've, I've had to code things in the, into the game I'm making and, and look at them and be like, wow, like most people aren't going to see you. And that sucks. Cause you're hilarious mm -hmm. or you're, you're one of my favorite bits mm -hmm. or whatever. And I just like, I can't force them to see everything I want them to see, you know? And so I was just thinking mm -hmm. like, well, you know, they, to give it, to give it like an organic ending, they can't like force you to not do Dolores first. But like you just said, the whole thing is so fourth wally, especially at this point in the game where it's, it, the, the mm -hmm. curtains pulled back already. Like, why not yeah. just be like, I would just have her say a single line. Like, Oh, you sure? Like, like not even, not even stop mm -hmm. you, but warn you first. So like the first time yeah. you try Are to you click sure? her, yeah, are you sure you want to do yeah, me? Because yeah. you know, like I think we'd all pick up on it, and they they could write something better than we can come up with literally on the fly. But the point being mm -hmm. is that I think you're right. It's so forth Wally, they should kind of warn you because otherwise, if you do Dolores first, the the game ends. But anyway, okay, so everybody's gets their ending. Reyes, Reyes is a little weird because his doesn't involve his dad. What what did you think about that? Before I bum rush us to the ending, ending right. All of a sudden, his father worked at the pillow factory. And right. there was, or something, there was, no, there right. was a family member involved yeah. and he was closely connected. And all of a sudden his goal was to find innocence for him. And I guess they ended up with a certificate or something that justified the ending, but I didn't fully grasp how he was connected, why he was there, how his parent was involved. It was all a little confusing for me. Yeah. The, the agents were probably the, th the thinnest written, I would say, as far as that's concerned. Cause mm -hmm. like, Agent Ray, the female, just kind of well, she 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 requests to be uploaded um, out of the game, um, which which she kind of is. And then Reyes, yeah, just it didn't lend the closure to the the dad story, which they did kind of shoehorn in, but not in a bad way. A it was just, yeah, I think maybe if anything, that's a casualty to how many characters there were in the game. But and you know, kind of mm -hmm. striving to give them all meaning and give them all a little bit of time. Um, I think I think it was yeah, all when handled. you want this game to be released, right? Like just yeah, yeah. Exactly. Go any further, we're getting the game next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it's to in their defense, I think it was all handled quite well. It's just there's there's always going to be mm -hmm. which one or two was handled the, the least or just given the least, and, and in this case, it was definitely the agents. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah I, I expected his to be a little more father centric, but it, it wasn't really. But Ransom's was really really nice. I thought that was a great tie. So mm -hmm. was Franklin's, where he gets to have a moment with Dolores. And like I promised earlier when we talked about Dolores is that the way she forgives her dad is very authentic. Like it just, mm -hmm. again, it really shows like what a well-sculpted character she was. Cause like the way she forgives him is so casually real. Like it's, it's not like mm -hmm. blowing it off or like stuffing it deep down inside and just saying the right thing. She's like, she really just, you believe her when she's just like, dad, it's okay. Like it's, it's cool. Did man. you feel it? Yeah. Did you feel kind of sad after that conversation? Definitely. Like that's really it. That's, that's the last time she's going to talk to her dad. Like I had to sit there for a moment with like my hand on my heart, kind of like, 
Oh, like, cause, and it wasn't that it didn't feel resolved. Like you said, it felt fully resolved and emotional and good, but ah, so final. Oh, it hurts. And credit, <laughs> credit to her voice actor. It was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. All, all the voice acting in this game really is, is, is Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, Super good. I can't even say one above any of the others. They're all that well done. But Dolores' mm-hmm. voice actors in actor in <laughs> I don't get yelled at. I got so scared when I just said that. <laughs> um, her heart's act- pounding. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the rush, so I'm not going to cut it. No, but her Dolores' voice actor is is in that, especially in that scene, is just is brilliant. Like really delivers the field. Mm-hmm. There's something. There's something like deeply authentic about the way she lets him off the hook. Um, mm-hmm. with impact. But anyway, okay, so at the very, very end of the credits, um, if you stick around, basically, damn it, I did it again. Let me back up just one tiny step. So sorry, everyone. Okay, after everyone gets their endings, Dolores shuts the, the whole AI, the whole system down. So the, the idea is After that, going through like a weird, like a yes, land of- the, thank what you. Was it, the con- it was Wire the land frame. of concept art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could go in a few different places. It didn't lock you out. But if you went to the, the mansion where there's actually nothing to forward the plot at all, you get like the Easter egg where Nurse Edna comes and chases you out of the kitchen. And it's amazing. It actually makes your heart jump because in Maniac Mansion, you know, you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to lose right. another character right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a great point. You're right. They get, they get you twice, like, but you know, 35 years mm-hmm. later in the same, the same kitchen. Um, it's, it's, so it's, it's so charming. The whole wireframe world. Like, I, I don't know from like, mm-hmm. from a dev point of view. And I, I know Anna, you've always been deeply, endlessly fascinated with behind the curtain stuff with adventure games. Mm-hmm. And thank God for, for that, for, for my own selfish reasons. Cause, cause you, you maintain mm-hmm. interest in, in development of this, of my game, but, but you, I know you can just appreciate that as much as I did at the time, where it's just so cool. Not only is it, is it, you know, supposed wireframe or, or you know, s- sketches. It's it's more of almost a maniac mansion rendering of the world, mm-hmm. like a 1985 EGA oh, God, rendering, yeah. maybe a little lower mm-hmm. res, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and that's just like super fun. And so you you go through through a, a rough sketch version of of the ending and shut the machine mm-hmm. down that way, which is again just. Mm-hmm. So it's all very well thought out, whether you like it or not. <laughs> like, this is just very well just thought take out. It. Just take, take it. it. Say take you it. like it, motherfucker. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's all right. Lots of people have left by now. You're fine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So, so anyway, you get through the ending. God damn it. They shouldn't have left before they heard this next part. It's going to blow their, their wood of mine. See, the, Come back. She shuts the whole thing down and the end credits roll and you get all the way through the credits and all of a sudden this old Commodore 64 screen comes up and it's just like, uh, it runs, it runs like a recovery on the files that Dolores deleted <laughs> and you just see it so scrolling good. and it's all the real file names from a nerdy point of view is super satisfying. Cause I'm like, I saw like an OGG and a wave and I'm like, okay, so they use both yeah. too. <laughs> Cause I'm like, you yeah, know, OGG know is, yeah. is really well compressed, but sometimes you don't want it really well compressed. So it's like, you know, can I use both? And um, and then Ron Gilbert's like, yeah, you can and you yes. should. Um, and so you see all the PNG and a couple like file names and it, that, that is like actually from their sprite sheets and stuff, which is very just nerdily satisfying. And then it runs recovery and there's there's somebody typing, you know, from behind the fourth wall, running these mm-hmm. these these commands. And they boot it up at the very, very end and it loops back to the start screen perfectly as it would, which is just brilliant because it, then it's basically saying that Dolores failed and she did not. Mm-hmm. she did not shut it down the, the recovery was run on it and now it's looped back mm-hmm. and i just i think i'm so charmed by it because yeah. at the end of 
the end of the, the credits and the end of all that nonsense would be the game loops back to the start screen. Mm-hmm. Every game does that. That's what it does. Or, or it gives yep. you a quick command and it boots you out, but usually it would return you to the start, the start screen. Yep. So for, considering it has to do that anyway, the fact that the writers took no. that and use that as an opportunity to loop the game back to its start again and to indicate that Dolores failed. And to make the ending more ambiguous. Exactly. Cause now it's, there's so much of this game that is, that's the word ambiguous. There's so much of this game. That's just kind of like, Hmm, I wonder like, okay, the fuzzy TV screen between the scenes. It's like, is that us watching the game? There's all these random scenes that happen in the game, but then, and your character disappears and then you can't find it, but then he's there all of a sudden, but it actually hasn't happened that whole mind fuck. And it's like, is that like, other people that have played the game and those are the endings they got like how deep into this like fourth level stuff does it go and i don't even think the developers know i think they were just messing with us man are we good are we done wish list the phantom fellows That's the, the adventure thing, game yes. it's on steam uh it's you can also uh wish list it for the wish list on gog if you go there and look it up on the community wish list and then it's put in a the little description thumbs too. up upvote Yep, it's in the description. Hit the little upvote. Uh, you can also go to phantomfellows.com. It's Look, got a whole website. You do several things here. First of all, make an account <laughs> with GOG. Second of all, <laughs> confirm your email address. I know that's the worst part of it all. Then you got to log in again, which is annoying because you just signed up, but it's cool. And then... <laughs> it's a whole thing. No, and, but uh, yeah, anyway. Okay, and when you're done that. <laughs> You've done all that work, and when I'm done cutting Paul off again, you got to join the. Uh, you got to join up and check out the adventure game hotspot as well. They're a part of the crew. We run with these guys. They've got like a whole website, uh, you know, and a whole uh, website. They, do they have a whole website? <laughs> <laughs> They've got, it's a whole website. And in that website, you have access to the Space Quest historian. You've got the Adventure Game Geek, One Short Eyes in there. Conversation with Curtis is in there. Adventure Game Hotspot. Just one, just one uh, Curtis. Talks about stuff. I, don't, I don't want people going in there expecting more than one Curtis. <laughs> well, and then there's Daniel Abu. We got a, there's a whole, there's a bunch of people in there. They're all awesome. Say hi to them and say hi to us. Yeah. On Twitter at CGG Podcast or at Phantom Fellows. Uh, you can also join the group we're a page we are a group on facebook uh that's the classic gamers guild and the classic gamers guild podcast you can go on to instagram cgg podcast this might not be my best ending okay email us mail at the classic gamers and i just want to take a second while i'm talking about the mail to say thank you to a couple of people for writing us now i know we've talked about brian Brian, you're great. You've written us before and you've written us again. Brian Manown, he's a, a musician as well. And is oh, exactly cracking songs are awesome. Yeah, he, he gave us a preview. I don't know if you guys have heard it yet, but we got a preview of the Zach McCracken main theme. Uh, Era 47 did one too, as you mentioned. It is super great to listen to. I, I love your rendition and I, and I love your play along with our game. I just want to quote you. If you go back to a previous episode, you've got Paul reaching for shit volume four. Paul reaching for shit greatest hits. Paul reaching for shit volume five. Paul pulls a, a muscle one. in his back. That was that was a really good one. So thank you so much. It was Brian, amazing, for that, it, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Mark, oh my gosh, that also lovely to hear from you. I don't think heard from you before mark but uh you came and, and you played along with our episode where we were rating games top five and you actually gave us your top five games and in no particular order i've got the day of the tentacle which obviously amazing game 
Great job. Have it on the list. The Stanley Parable. Uh, my son has played that game numerous times with all of the expansions. Uh, it's one of those like total fourth wall kind of breaking games. Speaking of fourth wall kind of the games. Uh, the same mention as this game. This is all on brand. Good job. Everybody. Super duper on brand. Very, very, very. Uh, you've got Tales from the Borderlands. That's like a telltale. So it's kind of like a chapter by chapter, quick time event, kind of old school puzzle solving game. Uh, you've got uh, Parad... Paradigm. Paradigm. <laughs> Paradigm. You stroked out on me last time you tried to say that too. It's funny. <laughs> I know. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, you get to explore a Soviet style alternate universe. And again, it's one of those funny, ridiculous Monty Python, his words kind of way. To, and then Hypnospace. Go ahead. Sorry. I meant to shout that game out in our funniest, our funny games episode, Paradigm. Because even though I've never played it, that's mm -hmm. like. Ever since it came out, it's like people can't mention funny adventure games without that. Mm -hmm. So, that's oh the god, thing I was yeah, say. no, it's. I need to play it too, and because of this list, I will. And then you've got Hypnospace Outlaw, who, by the way, I just reinstalled because you mentioned it. It's a game where you're like you're literally out there in the 1990s internet that the game developers created created the whole internet essentially you can go to all the places look at all the things and you kind of go as an internet police officer and do enforcement and it's it's just one of the coolest kind of indie games you've ever seen especially if you're nostalgic for the 90s so thank you so much and and as well in the past thanks to rob and spark for messaging us we've had just, we love getting these emails. They make us super happy. We like reading them. We love that people are playing along and caring. It, it just means so much. I can frame this stuff and put it on the wall. It just, it makes me feel so good. And speaking of making us feel good, it, it really makes yeah. us feel good when okay, you support the saying. show if you're able to. <laughs> Shh, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Come out onto Patreon and make us feel real no, good. Um, <laughs> and uh, support us uh, out there. Uh, Patreon.com, Classic Gamers Guild. We've actually got some lovely people out there that uh, are already supporting us. But I don't have the page up in front of me. Oh, darn. I was hoping we could spend 15 minutes on that, you know? Just... <laughs> <laughs> Such a bummer that we can't stay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for supporting the show. And I'd also like to say thank you to everybody in the extra special thanks tier. Thanks so much to Michael Council, Brian Manown, and uh, let's see. Oh, Mark Fillion, you're also in there. And how can I drag this on longer? But oh no, seriously, God. thank you to all of you. <laughs> for supporting the show and being so awesome um i'd like to say the show wouldn't happen without you just to make you feel good so there it is i did say it i hope it felt she's still thinking people <laughs> no no we're good now yeah no this is good so thank you so much for joining us in this episode paul make it stop don't do a murder don't do a murder <laughs>